plank. Arr, arr. We'll be talking pirates today, arr, arr. Disney likes their pirates. Have you ever seen The Curse of the Black Pearl, Christian? Oh, Mixie, I've seen it many times. <laughs> I love that uh, movie. And I know we're talking about a different pirate movie, but I just want to give the shout-out to Gareth from The Office, who plays the pirate with one eye. <laughs> yeah. Hello, welcome to Part of Your World. As always, it's Christian, and re- returning aboard the HMS Part of Your World is Mixie. Hi, everybody. Hi. And uh, we're t- here to discuss Treasure Planet, which came out the year before Pirates of the Caribbean. And I, I found it very interesting that they have completely different fates. Right. Then, oh, my the, God. You know, that's and, fun. I would love to compare the two, being that they're in a year apart. Yeah. So, as I always ask, what is your history with... So, I'll, I'll start this time I'll ask, what's your history with Treasure Island, the book, and other adaptations? All right. I will give you the quick... TLDR breakdown. Um, I never, I tried to read Robert Louis Stevenson when I was a kid. I wasn't into it. I've never been big and huge on pirates. Like, I like pirate stuff. And I I mean, The Goonies was my first, you know, I was six when that came out. You know, like, I'm a Goonie. Never say die. You know, like, that's my pirate, my kind of pirate shit. But um, I saw Muppets Treasure island because it's the muppets i saw that in the theater but in 2002 um i'm looking at the when treasure planet was released november 27th 2002 so that's thanksgiving a year and a month a year and two months after september 11th so um i'm not trying to bring that up you know like that but my dad is a survivor so um, it's only a year and a, and a couple months after that, you know, after the one year where we're still in shock. I'm also, it's 2002, so what, I am 24, mm-hmm. and um, it's the year of the horse. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I don't, um, I stopped seeing Disney movies in the theater, like, after high school. You know, like, the last mm-hmm. one I saw in the theater for a while was Pocahontas. Uh, okay. You know, yeah, my friends and I, we, I mean, we are huge fucking Disney fans. We would, like, go to the theater the first day it came out, and, you know, the golden age of Disney, you know, Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Lion King. I mean, that was amazing. And then it just kind of, I didn't like Pocahontas as much. Like, I, no. I still only have, I got to give it another watch, you know? It, 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 it's not unproblematic. Right, and I love Judy Kuhn, uh, uh, the singer, the Broadway singer. But um, I was not really into Pocahontas very much, let's just say. Okay. Um, and then, so I never saw Treasure Planet until you asked me to do this episode. And I think this is going to be great because um, it's something that I actually haven't seen. And I've, you know me, I've seen a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And... um so this is all my first reaction to Treasure Planet, which I just watched this week for the first time. So I'm really cool. excited to where you can lead the conversation. Cool. So I, like you, I was at the age where I wasn't seeing Disney films. I, I mean, I was younger, but I was sort of off Disney films at the time. I think the last one I saw in theaters was uh, Dinosaur. And before that, like, it was Tarzan. But then like I didn't see like, any during the new millennium in theaters until Moana. Um, so... Yeah, I really like them. Um, 
Um, I had read Treasure. I think I attempted to read Treasure Island. I don't know what age I was at. I wasn't. I'm not. I've not like tried to read it since. I just wasn't like mature, mature enough reader to like properly grasp it. I was like reading the words, but they weren't singing in. Um, right. I have seen um, Mother Treasure Island, and ages ago, I didn't rewatch this, but I saw the original Disney. 1950 Muppet Treasure Island, the 1950 Treasure Island, um, which is actually where the whole pirate R thing comes from, because oh, Robert Newton was from Devon, and he played um, De- Devon in the UK, and he played Long John Silver and brought in like the vernacular. And that's... Wait, I have a. Can I tell you a really bad pirate joke? Go ahead. What does. Um... An octogenarian pirate say on his birthday. How are you? Arm matey. Get it? Octogenarian AB. Arm matey. Ah ha ha But there's actually the third Disney adaptation of Treasure Island because there's the 1951, which was actually their first completely non-animated film, like. It didn't have, like, it's not like Song of the South or, like, The Reluctant Dragon or stuff like that where there was, like, side animation. It was completely live action. And the actor who played Jim Hawkins went on to play Peter Pan. Um, Very cool. Yeah. Then, then there's Muppet Treasure Island, which we'll probably refer to a few times. And then there's this one. There's the thir- third Treasure Island adaptation or major one set in space because apparently there was a 1982 Bulgarian film with a treasure island in space. And then there was a 1987 Italian miniseries also set in space. Yeah. Um, I guess they, you know, whoever gets the rights to the story, let's do a million stories about this. Disney really does well with the treasure island. Apparently if three over like almost a hundred years is well, 50 years. And and Getting ahead, this one it didn't get a lot of attention at the time, but it's get, garnered like more appreciation since then. Like probably from kids who did grow up with it and who are now like older. Right. Um, the first thing I did before I watched the movie was read all the trivia and the actors in it, and so I can make my own notes about who I love and what I want to see, and you know what I'm expecting. Yeah. And it really became a, a cult status movie, and it, it's charming. I fucking mm-hmm. loved it. <laughs> Yeah, um, and actually the idea of it was pitched during the 80s at the same time as The Little Mermaid, like John Musker and Ron Clements, the directors, they pitched it um, to Jeffrey Katzenberg and Eisner, but it was rejected, and then they pitched it again like when they're making Hercules, and Disney finally approved it like once they were done with Hercules. So, And yeah. they actually brought on Terry Rossio and Ted Elliott, who wrote Aladdin with them, and who also wrote most of the Pirates of the Caribbean films. So there is a lot of, like, the same creative DNA. Like, this film, like, sort of unites a lot, like, the talent behind Aladdin, and then eventually the Pirates films that came out starting the year after. Right. Um, And you said you hadn't read the book or hadn't seen many adaptations apart from the other one? No, I mean, I tried to read it when I was a kid, probably in, like, middle school. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, nah, no, not for me. Yeah. Um, I'm not big on pirate stuff. I don't know oh, why. True. I enjoy pirate stuff, but mm-hmm. it's not like an obsession or anything. Yeah. I like real pirate stories. <laughs> um, there, there were several like major changes to it. Like um, Doctor Doppler, he's a mix between um, Squire Trelawney, who hires the pirate crew, and Doctor Livesey, who's the more serious one. So basically, if you're going off of the Muppet one, he's a combination of Gonzo and um, Fo- and Fozzie. 
Where... Well, Gonzo is my man, so yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember enjoying Muppets in the theater. I love Jennifer Saunders, though. You know, she's one of my like main inspirations in life. Sweetie Darling. Yeah. Um, and she's, like and, the innkeeper. Yeah. <laughs> um, and obviously Captain Small in the book is a man. Um, and actually one one minor change I appreciate is they made Mr. Arrow serious in this film because apparently he's a drunkard in the book and like falls aboard. But if you have this, if you have this very serious captain, why would he have this drunkard first mate? Oh, but I love... Yeah, exactly. That makes sense. I loved Mr. Arrow and yeah, we'll the, get... the guy who voiced him. Anyway, yeah. we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and obviously the biggest departure, we'll get into it, is the, the long John Silver and Jim Hawkins relationship because there's always been like the, the sort of this sort of strange father-son relationship they have where even though he turns out to be the villain, um, but this film right. really like leans into that harder than any adaptation that I know of. Um, and they brought back Glenn Keane, who like who gushed about in previous ones to animate him. He did like Radigan and Great Mass Detective. He did Ariel, The Beast, Aladdin, Pocahontas, and he was the Tarzan animator. And right. like if you compare him to The Beast Tarzan and, and was Radigan really in particular, well animated. I could see. Oh, sorry. What was that? Um, I was gonna say about. I'm sorry. I was gonna say about Tarzan. It's really well animated, and I could see where Treasure. I mean, what came first, Tarzan? Right, ninety eight. Um. Yeah, in ninety nine came. And like Tarzan, this film used something called digital and canvas, right. um, and that, like a lot more than Tarzan, in fact. And that's but why I read that they um, did two D over three D, and I think, or three D over three D, and I thought that was awesome. And uh, Tarzan, the movie, the Disney film, you know, you'll be in my heart. I thought that was a great film, like animation wise. Oh my gosh! Um, in the beginning of Sex Planet. Oh, are we going into the movie yet? Or well, I, I wanted to. Point, I, out two other things. I wanted to point out two other things about production before we go in. Um, the right. makers of the film did something called the 70-30 rule, where basically the film's going to be 70% like 18th century swashbuckling pirates and 30% sci-fi. And they actually, because like, they thought like space and like, science fiction could be very cold, but they wanted like, to use warm colors and like... Bring, like have, so there's like stuff like tall sailing ships and the tricorn hats. If, if you have, Do you know the N.C. Wyeth cover of Treasure Island? Like the book uh, cover? Art. Yeah, you're uh, trying... yeah I, 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 I looked at the book cover. I looked at the Wyeth art before yeah. doing the, you know, yeah. art. They, they wanted to capture the vibe, of, the vibe of that one. Um, and that, that's right. a very they famous book cover. They added it in this, didn't they? They have a little homage to it. There's a bunch of homages. The RLS Legacy. Yes. I, I didn't realize that's what it stood for until recently. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. I caught that soon as. I'm like, oh, RLS. Okay. You're cleverer than I am. But speaking of like the deep canvas, there's only 10 minutes of it in Tarzan, whereas, whereas in this film, it's used throughout the entirety of the film. And it led to this film being the most expensive traditionally animated film of all time. Right. $140 million and they only made yep. 110 It's not a total loss. I mean, I'm sure they're making their money back. Disney. But yeah, but... but like maybe merchandising, I have make it up, but even so, that is, that is kind of sad, actually. That this is a very ambitious, expensive, to, with like a lot of talent behind it. Like water, it, it like Disney's water. Sorry, it is kind of like, a, like Disney's Water World because <laughs> Disney animation like was was flailing at this time, even even though Lilo and Stitch have been fairly successful. Right. 
And actually, the most expensive animated film of all time is Tangled, whose but I don't know, I, don't, I haven't looked at inflation, but if we're just going by the numbers given, is nearly twice as expensive. Is there is there any like stuff you want to get into before we get into the synopsis? Um, no, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go along with your synopsis with my first reactions and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I just spoke with the constabulary. Those blackguard pirates have fled without a trace. I'm sorry, Sarah. I'm afraid the old Benbow Inn has burned to the ground. <clears throat> well, certainly a lot of trouble over that odd little sphere. Those markings baffle me. Unlike anything I've ever encountered. Even with my vast experience and superior intellect, it would take me years to unlock its... Hey! <gasps> This is us, the planet Montressor. That's the Magellanic Cloud. Woo! The Coral Galaxy. That's the Cygnus Cross. And that's the Caribbean Abyss. Wait, what's this? What's this? It's Treasure Planet. No. That's Treasure Planet. Flint's Trove? The loot of a thousand worlds? You know what this means? means that all that treasure is only a boat ride away. Whoever brings it back would hold an eternal place atop the pantheon of explorers. He'd be able to experience... Woo! What just happened? Mom, this is it. This is the answer to all our problems. Jim, there is absolutely no way... Don't you remember? All those stories? That's all they were. Stories. With that treasure, we could rebuild the Benbow a hundred times over. Well, this is... it's just... oh my. Delbert, would you please explain how ridiculous this is? It's totally preposterous, traversing the entire galaxy alone. Now, at last, we hear some sense. That's why I'm going with you. Delbert! I'll use my savings to finance an expedition. I'll commission a ship, hire a captain and a crew. You're not serious. All my life I've been waiting for an opportunity like this, and here it is, screaming! Go, Delbert! Go, Delbert! Go! Okay, okay, you're both grounded! Mom, look. I know that I keep messing everything up. And I know that I let you down. But this is my chance to make it up to you. I'm gonna set things right. Sarah, if I may. You said yourself. You've tried everything. There are much worse remedies than a few character-building months in space. Are you saying this because it's the right thing or because you really want to go? I really, 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 really want to go. And it's the right thing. (sighs) Jim, I don't want to lose you. Mom... You won't. I'll make you proud. Well, uh, there we are then. We'll begin preparations at once. Jim, my boy, soon we'll be off to the spaceport. So, it's established very on that the space in this film is in our space. It's not like cold and black and, like, unbreathable. It's called the Ethereum, where it's sort of a mix between space, the sky, and the sea. There's, like, clouds and... There's 
it's a lot more colorful. But um, Tony J, fucking Frollo, comes back to narrate and says, talks about how, oh, like unquiet nights, like the there these the great cargo ship sailing ships went through the Ethereum and then, and um, they're like little did they suspect they're tailed by pirates and the worst of them is Captain Flint who I love we see him like in silhouette like a traditional pirate then he turns to the camera and it's his six eyed baboon like alien. Um, <laughs> and oh, can um, we talk about Tony J a bit too. I love him. Yeah, he, he was awesome. God. Yeah, um, you know, I, we died a day before Robin Williams did, which is five days after my first was born. I'm uh, looking at the wiki page now. I'm like Tony J. I know that guy. I didn't. I forgot to look up the narrator in all my. Sorry, yeah. go. On. And we have this mix like CGI of like animated and CGI with the sailing ships, like the sails are CGI, and I think the ships might be also, although the characters and most of the props and stuff like that, they're traditional animated. There's a nice mix between the two. There's only a few times where I think that it's jarring, but um, it turns out this scene that we're seeing, like the pirate ship, like looting this frigate or whatever, it turns out that it's a hollow book being viewed by young Jim Hopkins, and he's interrupted by his mom because he's not supposed to be up that late, cause, and he's like an excitable kid, and it's like a sweet bonding scene between them, um, where Correct. they read... They keep reading, and I love this phrase. They refer to Treasure Planet as the loot of a thousand worlds. Oh, yeah. I, I like that, too. I like to interject now. Yeah, go, go, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. All right. I want to talk about Tony J a bit and the things I loved him in. He was Megabyte in Reboot. Do you remember mm-hmm. that? <laughs> I, I didn't see that. He was in Duckman. Oh, he was in everything. I remember him a lot from... His episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. That's all I'm going to say about Tony J. Look at other Tony J stuff. And this is also <laughs> Scotty's last film. So, you know, the Star Trek is strong in this so, film. W- w- wait a minute. J- Jimmy Doohan's in this film? Mm-hmm. He's who, Billy Bones. Where? What? He's Billy Bones. No, He's that's Billy Patrick McGowan. Comes... What? That's Patrick McGowan. Oh. I was thinking, <laughs> I was ta- I was thinking McDoin. Wow, I'm an idiot. Sorry. No, wow. no, it's okay. okay. I'm gonna go the... back to my original point where I wanted to interject about the first scene. Um, okay. <laughs> what what else about the first scene? Well, first of all, his mom is played by Laurie Metcalf, whom I mm-hmm. love since the '80s. Um, so. I read the trivia before watching this movie, and the the story starts with Tony J narration, and I'm like, this animation sucks. What the fuck? What am I watching here? Really? And then I realized it's just a card. Right, right, because at first, up, but I get it, because they made the animation to look like a storybook. Oh. It wasn't going to be You know what I mean? I And as soon as I realized it was a book, he was he was reading, playing, whatever. I'm like, oh, okay, I get it now. And then oh. I relaxed. I'm like, oh, this animation's good. <laughs> that was oh, my so first the, reaction. <laughs> so the, the ships look different in this storybook than they do later in the, in the film? No, they look alike. It's just the edges are a little rougher to look like paper. If you oh, okay. So I'm hyper observant. So when I watch a movie, like we're, I watch this movie for this, for you. I mean, and for me, but like I really watched this movie. I tried to... Mm. Uh, look at everything about it oh wow you know yeah i i love the whole process that goes into something 
So that's what I got from the first scene. And I'm like, all right, I just got to go along with this. Because also, um, the kid from Third Rock from the Sun, Joseph mm -hmm. Gordon-Levitt, his animation at first. All right, so like I said, I've only been drawing for a year and a half now. But mm -hmm. at first, um, again, I'm an anatomist, you know. So I'm looking at his, uh, I could say that now that I'm teaching massage. I'm like, mm -hmm. I teach anatomy now. And I'm looking at his chest and how the character is built. And he's small and stout and hearty, like an innkeeper's son, busboy mm -hmm. would be, and a, a pirate surfer, solar surfer, <laughs> mm -hmm. which is totally cool. I love the yeah. whole, I wish we would have done more with the solar surfing. That, that stuff was cool. Yeah, that, that, um, I, remember, I think that was in the trailers on. That felt like it was something that was flexing for the film, like something that like to show off, like how fucking cool they could do. Right. Things, the I mean, cool it, yeah, it's, right. It's a lot like Tarzan, like that. They probably mm. couldn't do enough surfing thing because Tarzan they based on surfers on the trees and stuff, and that was yeah. beautiful. So, yeah. I guess they didn't. They wanted to kind of cash in on that again, but not make it the focus of his movement. You know, the two things I noticed about Jim Parkins room. Did you know what? What did you notice anything particular about it? Um, uh, there's like hidden things in there. There's a Mickey Mouse or something. There's um, a, there's a doll of Stitch from Lilo and Stitch. Yes, there's a Stitch in there. I saw the yeah. Stitch. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love. Else, uh, oh, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say I love how Disney. You know, in Aladdin, you could see the Beast in uh, the Sultan's Tower. Mm -hmm. You know, I love when they do stuff like that. There's also a suit. They bring this back later, but there's also a pseudo Jack flag on the wall. It's like the, it's basically it's like the original flag. It's like a mix between the the Union Jack and the English flag. You know, like uh, white with like a red cross on it. But it's like slightly too slightly off kilter, just like the the Jolly Roger we get later. Right, and Jim um, with his. Uh... I was going to say his chest animation at the beginning bothered me. I'm like, what is with his collarbone there? But and then I realized, all right, he's an innkeeper busboy. He's really strong. And I, I realized it's just a sternal groove in between his collarbone. And I'm like, oh, okay. I, at first I'm like, why does he have three collarbones? What the hell is this drawing about? I didn't notice that. Um, I did notice he has a sort of line under his eye for a lot of the film, which is something that, you show older characters, but it's meant to show that he's sort of downtrodden because of we, yeah. what we learn later about his well about his upbringing. Right. Um, but we we get this really good transition from the six year old Jim reading the Hollow Book to the eighteen. Is he eighteen, or do you think he's younger? I thought he was like fifteen because usually he, that seems like the attitude of a fifteen year old boy. It's classic fifteen year old boy. Yeah. Does good story. Yeah, I, th I think he is. Yeah, I think you're right. I think he's younger than that. Maybe I thought the kid was older, but um, he and he does look look like he's not his full height yet. But basically, he's surfing around this Grand Canyon like landscape on a, a planet we is called Montressor, and he has his dorky 2000s haircut. Um, but the music's yeah. really good, and then he like, goes to this whole factory, and he's pulled up by the Robo Constables. We go to the inn. We meet Doctor. Doppler, voiced by the David Hyde Pierce, who's amazing in this. Oh my God, I can't say enough good things about David Hyde Pierce. <laughs> I saw him in Spamalot. Did I ever tell you that he was? Fantastic. No, I, you didn't. Oh my God, it was the last 
musical on Broadway I saw was the first run of Spamalot. Hank Azaria had to duck out for a show he was filming, so Alan Tudyk took over, and it was like right after Firefly, so Alan Tudyk wasn't really popular yet, mm-hmm. but he's naked in it, in Spamalot. <laughs> like, at one point, his clothes come off. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry that's not Hank Azaria, but I'm real happy it's Alan Tudyk. <laughs> but um, and David Hyde Pierce did the horror on stage with all the night at one point. And I, I just watching him do the horror was very cool for me. Like, I've heard very from David Sparrow, I don't know what the horror is. Oh, I'm sorry. It's a dance, a Hebrew dance they do at celebrations where you all line up and you the guys, like, do this kick, you know? Almost no. like, you know, when, yeah, it, it's a coordinated... It's almost like the Madness Ska Caterpillar. Yeah, it's very a coordinated dance. And he did it, as, you know, dressed as the Knights of Python. <laughs> you know, it was great. Cool. David I. Uh, Pierce is one of my favorite actors ever. And my God, uh, I'm sorry. And Dame Emma Thompson is also one of my, like, 30-year yeah. favorite actresses ever. Since, the, since Dead Again. Since I first yeah. saw the movie Dead Again. Yeah. I was like, Emma Thompson is my goddess. Yeah, they're both amazing in this film. And apparently both characters were designed with them in mind. And they're, oh, that's but, they're, amazing. They're both Emma very... is my favorite character. I mean, yeah. she's her and Morph are my favorites, obviously. The cat and the cute little thingy. Yeah. Um, and apparently she was particularly happy. This is the first action role she was ever in, and she was happy to not have to actually do any training for it, because apparently she was pregnant for part of the time she was recording her voice, but she was very happy right. to be on this. Right, um, right. That was so cool. Did she give you any vibes of, like, uh, Jane Lynch and Wreck-It Ralph? They were kind of a similar character. Very Kind of, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we'll get a bit more to her later, but we have Dr. Doppler, who's... I didn't pick up on this until my first rewatch, but it seems that he... Not so much, he's not so much an alien that's descended from dogs, because later there's the scene in the, li- the sort of library where these, these paintings of a dog people, and he, his, well, not... his dinner is, is literally like a do- in a dog bowl, and his, so is his drink. Well, you know what it's called, right? His dinner was called Alponian. Alpo is dog food from the 80s. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> nice. See, that's but... why you know me. For my oldness and my ability to remember stupid shit that doesn't matter <laughs> that will, I'll find in a movie that's 20 years later. <laughs> it's not stupid shit when, when you can, it's useful for this. Um, <laughs> and I just love how Alpo totally, like Plutonian, Alponian, it's perfect. The is perfect. I love the dialogue. I mean, yeah. Emma and David don't even need dialogue. They could just talk. And I'd listen, you know. Um, we're at the end. We're Dr. Doppler, he's actually talking with um, Jim's mom. And she's, he's talking about, oh, how he's really turned a corner. He's, got, he's gone through some trouble patches, but I think he's he's really improving. And right on cue, the robo constables bring him in because apparently he's taking uh- the wrong turn. Um, and basically, like, they're pounding his vehicle for, like, illegally driving in the area. He even knows, like, the violation number that when they're like rattling it off and basically say okay this is your final warning if he does this one more time he's going off the juvenile hall um yeah. i like how they have juvie in space i was like really they they still have juvie in like sea space okay yeah <laughs> yeah I, I like the robo constable like design also how they're like oh they're great. Each other. they're great 
yeah, and like to wheel around on tank wheels. Um, but anyway, um, she like tears him a new one because he's he, he's like very indif- he's sort of given up on life and has sort of become not like a criminal but sort of a miscreant and like basically just a a pain in the ass for her and um just and she says expands ever since this fall that Jim's never recovered. Um, what and we should say Jim is voiced by jo- Joseph Gordon Levitt and this is after Third Rock from the Sun and. Ten things I hate about you, but eight years before Inception. So, what do you think of his character and Joseph Gordon-Levitt's portrayal of him throughout the film? Of Jim Hawkins, I enjoyed it. Um, I thought at first in my head with the sailing and stuff, I'm like, "Look, kid, don't get too cocky," you know. <laughs> but uh, I was like, "Yeah, no, his 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 exuberance is what the film needed." I, I wasn't too. I mean, you know, Jim's fine. He's the hero. Blah blah blah. I wasn't like, too interested in him. I knew it would yeah. all work out by the end. But, you know, I mean, the more sentiment, I'm a sentimental person. So the things that I, you know, I love the captain and the dog. And at the end with their cute babies and Morse is the babysitter. I'm like, yep, perfect. I'm not trying to skip to the end. I'm just saying, like, yeah. you know, I thought Jim was great for what he did. And I love the relationship between him and Long John Silver. Mm-hmm. I love it. That, that part really got to me. Every part they were interacting together. And Joseph Gordon-Levitt, he, he, you know, he's, he's a fantastic actor, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm not a huge fan of him, but his voice is great. You know, he knows what he's mm-hmm. doing. Yeah. You know. And he was about 21 when he did this, so he would have been the right age to voice a teenage character. Um, Absolutely. You don't yeah. play an adult in Hollywood till you're, like, almost 30. Yeah. Um, <laughs> He is like a little petulant at times, but I think that's more just because he's a teen sort of lost rather than just because he's like that. I could see that being like unappealing, but I I like what they apparently like other ones. He like goes off his dad like died or whatever, and he just takes up the applications. Is that so? His dad is, or is this one gives more reason to like him going on the going to find treasure planet because a he's raised with stories on it and b because it's a chance to make things up to his mom because of what happens later uh well well in part because of what happens later but also because he's kind of let her down as at this crucial time for her like he hasn't become like the the man of the house but the man of the house as she's been like left to like keep the end going but um he's on the roof brooding and then oh sorry go ahead uh, one could say she parentifies her kid a little. Not parentify, but, you know. Infantilizes? I hate when kids are expected to do all this. Like, let them be a fucking kid, lady. Mm. I mean, it's cool that, yeah, I don't know. I didn't mean it like that. Because, like, the little kid in me, you know, who watches a Disney movie. I, I'm the hero when I watch a Disney movie, you know. <laughs> like, I was, I was Jim Alina Hawkins, you know, <laughs> when I was watching it. No, I don't know. It's fun to relate to the hero, but yeah. I'd much rather be the 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 cat captain, the cat tin. Has anyone called her the cat tin? <laughs> no, but but I'm, I'm, I'm sure they have. But yeah, um, but anyway, he sees this crash ship comes towards the inn, which is sort of at the edge of this cliff, and um, the little crash ship out of it comes Billy Bones, and this one I like how you say this ancient reptile, almost like a mix between a turtle and like a monitor lizard, and he says he, he's a common, and um, he, he's Patrick McGowan, not James Doohan, and although 
that that would either would have been cool. I believe I messed uh, that up. What's wrong? With, what kind of Star Trek fan am I? I'm looking at Patrick McGowan's filmography now, and I'm like, where do I know this man from? He's the he's the titular prisoner. Oh, and, the prisoner from the '70s. That show. Yep. Yep. He's the prisoner. I think. Oh, and he's also um, King he, Edward Longshanks in Braveheart. Yeah. Um, probably one of the better things about that movie, which is historically completely wrong. Yeah, I'm not, I, I saw it once, too, and I, I mean, it was fun, but I was like, eh, you know, I'm my co-parent, the reason why, here, kitties, the reason why you meet a lot of Irishmen named Brian is because of a man named Brian of Baru. Look him up. He's a lot cooler than William Wallace. Sorry, Scottish people. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go on. Yeah, um, but basically, Billy Bones is the version of him. He comes and, I almost said Jack, he, he entrusts Jim with a chest, which um, which has the golden orb, which we'll get to later. But basically, he dies, and this bigger pirate ship with this crew, visibly led by a cyborg, comes and like inter- in pursuit of the same chest, and the tavern is burnt down, and Jim, his mom, and uh, Dr. Doppler escape on sort of a car pulled by a sort of slug-like creature, which I like. Yeah. Like a sort of slug ostrich, but, um, and the and burns down, and it's, oh, uh, and, 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 and really it's because Jim feels guilty because he, if he hadn't let Billy Bones in, the, his, his mom's in would still be standing, so. Right. Um, there, there's know. no blind pew, though, who's, who's another character who appears early on, and. I think is a, another member of Cat, of Flint's old crew. Okay. Um, he, he, I know he's in the Muppet version, and he's a deadly pirate despite being blind, but there's no blind pew in this one. We go to like the local conservator or whatever, and Jim, we was to apologize to his mom, we can't do it, and he, Dr. Doppler is examining like the golden orb, and Jim fidgets with it, and then opens it up, and it's kind of hard to explain, it's like, it's kind of like a round version of a Rubik's Cube. Yeah. It's a lot like a lot of things. It's like the thing in Star Wars in the library that Neil McGregor uses to find planet Kamen, the Kamino system. It's like mm-hmm. uh, the fucking Hellraiser box. It's <laughs> just your standard gold puzzle box yeah. map thing. Yeah. Um, it's a Disney trademark at this point. It's in like every Star Wars show they put out. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, by the way, it opens up, it shows a map of the universe where that, at the center of it is the, the titular treasure planet, which we actually saw briefly in the hollow book. It's, it's sort of like in this dark area, there's these two sets of, almost like imagine if Saturn had like two sets of rings. That's what it looks like. Um, I think it was glowing green, but basically it's the, what they're, it's the map to treasure planet, just like the map to treasure island that they're looking for in the book. And, um, and, I love that Dr. Doppler is, like, so excited about it. Um, and it does say the film, yeah. though, when he's, like, when he's like go Delbert, go well, Delbert. That that does date to the early 2000s, I think. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I love how exuberant David Hyde Pierce was in the film. Um, he really, like, played that real fun, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, like, the most enjoyable, like, you know, like, there was no, there was no Niles in it, you know? Even Abe Sapien had a little bit of worries, but Dr. Doppler was free and fun-loving, which is very refreshing for a David character. And and very dog-like also. 
Yeah, the uh, implication well, is that dogs, he, he, yeah, I love the, the personality of dogs. Yeah, they're fun yeah. and they're happy. And oh, oh, can we do this? Can we do that? Oh, 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 hey, yeah. Chester. Yeah, and, and is, is like when he when he suggested to his mom, his mom's like, "Is it the right thing for him, or do you? Is it just something you really want to do?" And he says, "It's something I really, really want to do, and it's the right thing for him." Like, and they convince her like to basically let him go. And like Jim says, "This is my chance to make it up to you, like finding this treasure." Um, right. And so, and yeah, the idealistic. We'll find the treasure, guys, and we'll save the goondocks. You know, I yeah. love the, I, I see, this is what I love about Disney movies. I don't care that it's predictable. We know there's going to be a happy ending, but mm-hmm. the thing I cling to about one of the things I like about being a kid is the idealistic optimism, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, and there's a shot also of the, of the crescent moon, like, like Dr. Rumpler says, we're off to the spaceport and you zoom in on the moon. You actually see there's some stars in the area where, like the shadow of the moon would be, because it turns out that's no moon; it's a space station. <laughs> Look at <laughs> and you! I that till just now, but it, it literally is that's like a white moon. Yeah. I'm gonna call you Lando from now on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but literally, the, the crescent moon actually turns out to be a white crescent-shaped space station. With yeah, I thought uh, that was so cool. I want to live there yeah. on the moon space station. Yeah, and, that, and we'll get to it. There. I love the designs of like the background aliens, like here and there. Um, that we right, see. I love sea and space together. I think it's beautiful. I love celestial. You know me, celestial. Yeah. It's um, beautiful. There's like some old, like timey buildings, and like the sort of tall, like sailor space. Um, right. So space, right. space, and sail ships. Victorian pirate, old. You know, yeah, yeah. that's even yeah. better. Jo- Georgian, more like Victorian, but yeah. Right, right. It's like watching time after time in mm-hmm. space. Sorry, um, that was... <laughs> but can we oh, talk about Brian Murray yet? Well, we'll hit him quickly, but do you, there's... Well, before I get to Amelia and Mr. R before then, but do you know that in Aladdin there's a cameo from the directors? Uh, so, you know when... The, so, I used to know everything about Aladdin, but it's been a while. Okay, so... Bit of a recap. So in the in the Aladdin, we brought this up in the Aladdin review and also in Hercules. But basically, John Musker and Ron Clemens they both have animated cameos in that one. So in Aladdin, you know, like when the stuffed shirt prince is going down the like these two like older yeah, men. I've, one's I've, like a thin guy with a gray mustache. The other one's like a sort of heavier ginger one. You know, like off the the palace, I suppose. Another suitor for the prince. That's what they said. That's them. Right, right. I read the about the characters they had in Treasure Planet. They were like two uh, merchants or something. Yeah, like what? Mu- like John Musker is like the sort of Tin Man like robot, whereas Clements is this furry orange alien. Yeah, that's cute. Yeah. I like um, how but, they wrote the Prince and Gildan turn themselves into their films. Yeah, that, that's a good phrase. <laughs> um, and we go to the R.O.S. Legacy, Robert Louis Stevenson, as you pointed out. Um, and we meet the literally stone-faced Mr. Arrow, who's R- Roscoe Lee Brown. Oh, wait, can we talk about Roscoe? Yes. Can we talk about Roscoe Lee Brown, Christian, please? Yes. Oh, my God. Saunders from Soap. Has anyone listening to this read the sh- watch the show Soap? Billy Crystal was in it, people. <laughs> Catherine Hellman, watch it. But Roscoe Lee Brown was the fucking snarky-ass butler, and he was beautiful. <laughs> And yeah, he, I'd also like to point out 
I didn't know until later that he was actually American because he has a very good faux British accent. Oh, his voice is beautiful. His bassy baritone. I love yeah. this man's voice. He is the bulldog in Oliver and Company. Yes, he is. And at the end, oh my God, have you ever, did you remember hearing him sing, Why Should We Worry? You know, yes. very so, <laughs> he's yeah. so proper. The, the first thing I saw him from was actually Babe because he's the narrator in Babe. Oh, yeah. I never, I saw that way later in life. Everyone was all about that. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm a Charlotte's Web girl. I'm not being Babe the Pig. And then I saw I, it and I loved it, of course. Yeah. Um, he was also the kingpin in the 90s Spider-Man cartoon, the same one that had Prince Eric yes. as Spider-Man. And he apparently narrated the story of Star Wars in 1977, so now I'm going to find that and listen to it. Oh, the the, the radio version? Oh, I just, it was on record in the 70s. That's what they did in the 70s. Oh, yeah. He just kind of did a novelization on record, and they recorded it. How cool is that? That would be awesome. Yeah. I'm looking um, at his, uh, right, so he was, I'm looking at his TV real quick. He did a lot of, like, guest stuff on every 80s show I ever grew up with. Head of the class, you know, Benson. He, of course, he was on Benson. The real ghost. Oh, he was Ed Zedmore in the real Ghostbusters for at first before they got Ernie Hudson, I think. He was in everything. And oh, I say stone face because he has a face kind of like an Easter Island head or like a, he looks oh, like he's made yeah, of stone. He is. Yeah, he sounds like he's stone too. He's just. He's an old stone god from far, far away. Oh, I'm sorry. One more thing. He was in the Pirates of Dark Water. So I oh. just wanted to say that because it's pirates and it's one of the best cartoons ever. I've so, never seen that. There's a lot of actors in here from my Saturday morning cartoon adventures, Pirates of Dark Water and Reboot, which is essentially space and pirates. So it's cool that yeah. they got these actors who have been in that kind of subject matter, you know? And then, and it's here we meet Captain Milia, who's or the version of Captain Small, but this one is descended from a cat and is voiced by the one and only Emma Thompson. Woo! Hello, Emma. I love thee. You are the one of the most beautiful. I'm prissy. I don't know. Anyway, go on. <laughs> Emma. When, oh, all right. So we first saw, I saw, you first saw her. I first saw her in Dead Again. Where did you first see Emma? I think it was um, Much Ado About Nothing, opposite Kenneth Branagh, because they, they were married at the time. Also, um... Oh, my God. In between. Oh, so for, I just want to do an Emma Thompson Thanksgiving thing real quick. Um, in 1992, and I know you don't know this movie because you didn't mention it, and it's really not a known movie unless you're a big fan of, you know. Anyway, so there's a movie from 1992 called Peter's Friend. I started watching that. I haven't finished it. <gasps> I know what it's about. It's one of my favorite, favorite movies. I still own it on VHS. Like, I mean, look at all the people in it, and Emma and Kenneth and Hugh and Imelda. So Stephen Fry. About, what? Stephen Fry. Stephen Fry, right, right. Well, him and Emma are, like, best friends in real life, too. Like, that movie well, was but, just... Uh, I think they had kind of a nasty divorce. Did they? Well, he, he was seeing Helena Bottom Carter, and I know during the making of the Harry Potter films, like... Emma Thompson deliberately wasn't on set at the same time as Helena Bottom Carter because probably brought memories of that. Oh yeah, because he cheated on her with Helena. Yeah, man, and, those things. And, and, and she it was probably she, she was probably channeling that grief when she in Love Actually when she's married to Alan Rickman and he cheats on her. Right. 
That, well, oh, my God. Her, I was just listening to Joni Mitchell's 2001 album with her smoky, gorgeous version of Both Sides Now that Emma Thompson cries to in the film. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorites. Emma Thompson, I just I, I just want to breathe the same air as her one day. Yeah, she's, she's a national... I think it's fair to say she's a national treasure. Yes, absolutely. I think she's an international treasure. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um... Uh, anyway, so, so I so, think we've fangirled enough. Yeah, so uh, Captain Amelia, she actually, like, Doppler is, like, in this dorky spacesuit. I love it. It's, like, a mix between, like, an old astronaut suit and, like, a deep old, like, diver suit. Um, it's but, um, yeah. but, um, D- Doppler is, like, says, mentioned something about the treasure or whatever, and the crew is, like, overhearing it, and she, like, brings her, them to the stateroom and locks away the orb and set, basically says, it's really stupid for you like to bring up the, the, the treasure, especially in front of this crew that you've hired, because Becerra calls them a ludicrous parcel of driveling galoots. They seem, <laughs> they seem like very, like, they, they, they don't suspect that they're pirates yet, but they seem to be kind of like um, riffraff or um, um, motley. Motley's the best word. Mm-hmm. They're a motley crew. Motley. A motley crew, yep. I love that phrase. Um, but then we finally meet the best thing about this film, because we, we, Jim has been assigned to help the ship's cook, who is Mr. Silver. He's never called Long John Silver, but he's called Mr. Silver or John Silver. And I hadn't appreciated this till I rewatched this the second time, but he is actually show, the way he's introduced is the same way that Two-Face is always introduced in Batman media, because you see his normal side first. Oh yeah, and then you see the cyborg uh, stuff. Yeah, you see you see him this big alien man. He looks mostly human, but he's clearly not human at the same time. He's making something. You see him from his um left side first cooking something and then you see his, his cyborg arm and eye and leg and we should, and we should say Billy Bones warned Jim about the cyborg and we saw yeah, we even saw John Silver and Silhouette like taking like reading the tavern, so Right. Um, obviously, J- Jim puts two and two together and said, this is the guy. Right, but- and I have to say that I really love that they didn't draw that shit out. They just went right to it. Like, hey, I suspect he's the cyborg that guy might be talking about. Like, there wasn't much yeah. room for foreshadowing. There weren't much space between the foreshadowing and the happening, and I love that because yeah. that's a waste of time to bother on. We all know with the fucking, you know. <laughs> I think in the book, they make no pretense. You never don't think that. Uh, I think there's like a peg, the guy that attacks like the, you know, the beginning. Of, it's ne- it's never not in your head that he's anybody other than jo- Long John Silver. Uh-huh. Can we talk about Brian Murray yet? Oh, uh, absolutely. Yay! So, actually, I looked up his filmography, and the only thing I really know him in is as Jack Donaghy's dad on an episode of 30 Rock. Really? Uh, yeah, he played Alex Baldwin's dad. That's oh, the only I'll thing I saw in previous to this. So, but his voice, first of all, Long John's uh, Mr. Silver. Ooh, Mr. Silver. Yeah. He is one of my favorite characters in the film, easily. Yeah. He's wonderful. He's beautiful looking. His, like, the way they, again, the way they meld piracy with mechanics. It's fantastic. The industrial age, the Victorian age into the industrial age. I mean, there's so much going on with the film. I'm surprised mm-hmm. it wasn't as popular. I mean, maybe it's too cerebral, but fucking Atlantis was cerebral and had the same thing, just in yeah. the sea. 
Mm-hmm. And that movie's yeah. brilliant. Yeah, his arm is amazing. It's like it can like transform into like all like the various knives you need like to chop up stuff and like um he everybody needs to like seek out the scene where he's like preparing like the stew, like where he's like slicing up the space shrimp or whatever. Um he's definitely the coolest cyborg since Darth Vader. Right. With all respect to the Borg. Uh, I love the Borg, but they're not... uh, The Borg never... eh, They have a lot of personality, (laughs) whereas this guy is brimming with it. Right. He's wonderful. First of all, I'm a storyteller. The dialogue in this film is superb to me. Like, I love a good story. That's my thing. I write dialogue myself. You know, I'm Mm -hmm. trying to get in the industry. I just... Everything about the story is grand it's so beautiful and so and and he's great he's the best i love you know what i don't know if you watched the whatever star wars cartoon show but the fucking pirate that always comes by with um that kid jedi that i don't remember the name who is friends with ahsoka <laughs> i'm so bad sorry anyway I, I, I saw ahsoka recently i've been needing to see rebels though because i heard nothing but great things about rebels. it watch Rebels, the pirate in Rebels that keeps coming back, he is Long John Silver in Rebels. Whoever plays that character, the pirate that always double-crosses, but always helps them, and <laughs> he's always a devious scoundrel, he's great. Was he, was he in Clone Wars as well? Because I think I know the character, yeah. so. Yeah, he was in Clone Wars. Oh, is he voiced by Jim Cummings? Yes! Okay, yes, then I know the guy you mean. He was great. Yes, that's what Long John reminds me of. Oh, yeah, he's he, fantastic. I mean, I mean, Long John Silver, after Captain Hook, if not more so than Captain Hook, is like the most famous pirate of all time. Well, and I think everyone should know that you are currently wearing your awesome Captain Hook shirt today, and we yep. are Captain Hook fans. Yep. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of problematic things about Peter Pan, but Captain Hook is amazing in it. Anyway, um, I haven't seen Brian Murray and all this stuff, but he he is amazing in this role. And this is not Brian Doyle Murray. This is. No relation to Bill or Brian. Wait, I have to interject. When I first read Brian Murray, I'm like, who the fuck is Brian Murray? It ain't Brian Doyle Murray's, and I don't mm-hmm. care. But how cool would Brian Doyle Murray be as Long John Silver, too? Can you imagine? He, he would be good, but uh, uh, this guy was amazing. He, I love like, the sort of thick, I like the Irish brogue that he has, but he, so I think it's same joke, though, as me, because the first thing I thought was Brian Doyle Murray. <laughs> Um, All right, go on he, with the book. But he, I think he was South African, so in the way he says yeah, treasure yeah. in a few other words is a little, is, like, sounds foreign. So he has, like, a nice mix of accents. He's not, like, a stereotypical... Right. He, like, for the most part, his voice isn't the stereotypical pirate voice. Right, and if you know anything about British and history and all that, you know, East India Trading Company and all that mm-hmm. stuff, you know, that makes sense that a South African was playing that role. Yeah. You know. Um and instead of a talking parrot he has a morph, which is his gelatinous little shapeshifter. Yeah. Um, oh morph, 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 morph. Um, you know me. I love uh, anything well, uh, the Flynn's horse entangled. Mm-hmm. Any animal or thingy creature that is like adorable, like that mm-hmm. that's that's the me character. Uh, <laughs> I'm the one flitting around being stupid and snorting. I love yeah. morph. Oh my god. Yeah, he's very, more. he's very cute. He's very, very cute. Yeah, he, um, he, he's there for the kids, but I don't think he ever attracts that much. Unlike a character we'll get to later. Oh, um, 
can I uh, tell you something? Uh, something I we forgot to I, I, I wanted to say about Captain Nathaniel Flint from the mm-hmm. beginning of the film, the story. Yep. Voice uncredited, but voiced by Peter Cullen himself, Mister Venger yep. from Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Or, <laughs> and, or you know, your or Optimus Prime. Yeah, yeah, that guy. I'm like, oh no, Venger. He's Venger, <laughs> people. <laughs> My favorite cartoon ever. Cool. Um, right. So I do like that. Neither Hawkins or Silver are happy about. Hawkins going to work for him. Like, when they protest that you actually use the same body language. Mm-hmm. Like, sort of like, both doing sort of face palm and like, sort of like, yeah, but, 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 yeah. Um, but they get to know each other. Like, he's very, Silver is very avuncular. He's like, very friendly, but immediately like, Hawkins suspects him and he asks, have you been, ever been a Montressor? Do you know of any, are cyborgs that often? And But, but Silver, we know that he's Guilty, but he does a very convincing job of looking innocent. Right, um, and he's not totally that evil at first, anyway. Like you, could, oh, you already know he's kind of had the soft spot, and especially he meets a pirate lad who could be his son. I mean, you know. Yeah. Um, we know he's not going to stay bad. Yeah. Um, anyway, the the ship starts sailing. The solar sails are engaged. There's this artificial gravity that's there. Um, we, as I said before, people, like, this isn't our version of space. This is, like, a fantasy version where people can breathe through it. Um, otherwise, that would cause all sorts of problems later. But um, the ship has some sort of energy or thruster of some sort in addition to the sails. Yeah. Um, but the launch is very impressive. They're, like, these manta-like birds and catfish-like whales that they pass by as they go. Um, uh, immediately, though, uh, Mr. Silver introduces Hawkins to Mr. Mop and Mrs. Bucket. He swabs the deck. Um, mm-hmm. And while on the deck, we, we maybe should speed up things here, but um, Jim overhears some scuttlebutt among the shadier-looking crewmen. Who, I love the designs of the various aliens, like especially the... Um, who's the guy who turns the wheel? What, what, what's, the name, what's the name of the job? Um, the helmsman? Oh, yeah, uh, the helmsman. He's like the sort of snail guy with tentacles. Mr. Turnbuckle. That hand? Because uh, one of my favorite actors... Oh, well, not one of my favorite, but a, an actor I like is in is Hand, a crewman on the Legacy, and I yeah, it, assume that would... well. One of the people we meet like is Scroop, who's the sort of spider crab. He's based on a character called oh. Israel Hands, and do you are know who we, voices him? Scroop, because I got words on Scroop. I love Scroop. Okay, who do you know who voices Scroop? Yeah, why a spoon, cousin? Because it's dull, you twisted and hurt more. Yes. And the crow, I know yeah. Scroop. The Crow and Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. That's yeah, Michael true. Wincott. Yep. Oh, my God, is he amazing in this. Yeah, oh, he... I love Stroop. Stroop is delicious. He, he, he's, all, he's also a great foil for Silver because he, I don't say this a lot about Disney villains because they're a lot of fun, but he is truly hateful because of what he does later. Right, how he kills poor Mr. Arrow. My yeah. God, that scene killed me. Yeah, and he, and he's, like, very spider-like and has this very hissy voice, so it's, like, a nice mix of, like, common phobias. Right. He's, like, scorpion-like, too. Yeah. Um, I thought he, he was a raccoon. Yeah. I, I, Jim is, like, overhearing them, and, like, like, he's basically about to, like, come get in a fight with him, but um, Mr. Silver sweeps in and squeezes really hard on the crab claw with his cybernetic hand, and it, it like, becomes a clamp at one point. It kind of reminds me of the tools used for, like, eating lobsters. 
Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah, or, so uh, remind me of that. And, um, yeah. But Mr. Arrow breaks it up, says there's no brawling. Am I clear, Mr. Scroop? And you know from that Mr. Arrow is going to get it from the look that Mr. Scroop gives him back, or that he's like bearing, he's starting to bear a grudge. Um, and below deck, um, is it here that that Silver says, "Did you ne- did your father never look, teach you how to pick fights, or is that later?" I don't remember now. I think it's around here that he, um, Silver. Well, b- before that, he go. I think he goes below, below deck, and it's here that we learn that yes, he is indeed that cyborg, and he's he's with a he's planning a mutiny with the other crewmen. And he says he braced them for being for drawing suspicion pre mutiny, calls him daft. Um, right, right. That was right. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, he goes up later. He's speaking with That's Hawkins, like like when Hawkins like thanks him for like, saving him. He says, "Did your father never teach you how to pick fights?" And he says, "Well, my dad's gone." And Silver learns that um, basically, you can tell that he's like he feels sorry for Jim, like for for like, basically not having a father, and says, "Well, I'm I'm and he vows him to teach him stuff like um, in his father's place." So we get this montage of. Him doing like these chores, like scraping off the space barnacles. Wow. Yeah. And but we get this emo. This is one of my few grabs of the film. I don't like the songs that are brought in. The songs. It was like watching an episode of Friends. Like the end. That it was very incidental Friends music to me. They tried too hard. I don't know who the music supervisor was, but I think they could. John have, Resnick. It was too hokey to me. You know. Yeah, jo- John Resnick from I think the Goo Goo Dolls or whatever. Yeah, see, everything was too friends and too Goo Goo Dolls for me. I just, it, I couldn't, it, I know that was, what? It felt like very early twenty, early 2000s emo, but I could, I could kind of see the friends comparison also. R.I.P. Matthew Perry. Right, right. Goo Goo Dolls was the first thought I had. I'm like, this sounds like that guy. Um, it, it is that guy. It didn't connect for me. Yeah. It's a good, it's <laughs> a good month. Nothing against that guy, it just didn't connect. No, it's a good montage, but I would prefer. Maybe this is the classicism. I think it would have been better with just incidental music and the flashbacks. We, I don't think we needed the the song over like where he's like basically saying yeah. like, Tim's thoughts. But basically, yeah, we get this, this flash. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I said, yeah, this isn't the nineteen eighty four Transformers movie with the "You Got to Fight" <laughs> with Peter Cullen. <laughs> Sorry, I had. Uh, see, I know my Transformers. <laughs> nice. Um, no, but, but the it, montage was good, except for the music. <laughs> um, so, but like flashes of Jim's childhood with his father, we see his dad like her being very absent, like just like patting him on the head or something. Like, dad or, like rubbing his hair like as he's coming in. We never see his face, but then we see him one morning. Like we see his mother in tears, and we see his father like, going off in this ship, like basically leaving, and Jim tries to follow him, but his dad isn't isn't paying any attention yeah, at yeah. all. So basically he learned that this really fucked him up, and this is why he's like wayward in every sense of the word. Um, but then, but we yeah. see like Jim getting better at being a sailor. We see him like do dishes and like tie knots, and we even see him solar sail again with Silver after this comet. Um, and we see them right. after like the whole, the song and montage. We see them later, like below deck in the sort of canoe, um, like a canoe, unlike in like a proper sailing ship. The canoes aren't attached to; they're like in a lower deck rather than attached to the side of it. But 
um, because it's something I, I got plans, going to make people see me different. And the attitude and the way he was animated reminded me a lot of Aladdin during his street rat phase. Like when, exactly you know, when he Aladdin. said, oh, yeah, okay. the, I, I think someone, I don't think Glenn Keane animated him, but it reminded me a lot of Aladdin when he's like telling Abu, we're going to, one day we're going to leave and live at the palace and have no problems at all. Kind of reminded me of that scene. Um, right, sort of like right. youthful and optimism. Um, right. And I also read that um, he was based on James Dean and, you know, he wears yes. that black jacket at the beginning and by the time they take off the black jacket, you know, he's... Yeah, his, his color palette becomes like, like in the middle of the film, it's like more of like a lighter brown to spoilers at the end is a sort of white space cadet uniform or space yeah. captain or whatever rank he is. But um, he asks Silver about like the loss of limbs and he says... And so it says, you give up a lot of things chasing a dream. Um, so there's a, these scenes of them sort of bonding. But then it's interrupted by the supernova, you know, like the explosion of a star. And um, this is actually a scene where Hawkins fastens the lifelines of everybody around the mast. And as the sails are being burnt and the supernova goes to turns into a black hole, um, Jim saves Silver. There's some flaming asteroids. And there's like the, basically... Doppler calculates that there's this big wave that is being launched from... I don't know if black holes are like this at all. But again, this is a fantasy version of space, so I won't yeah. get into it. Um, it was fun, and you know, you're right about all the colors. I, I love color, so... Yeah. And this is a very... You know, and 2002 was, you know, when emo is starting, you know, things mm-hmm. were getting more depressed, the world was getting more depressed, so people mm-hmm. didn't want idealic, idealistic optimism. We yeah. wanted dark... You know, yeah, they, so I like that there was, it just got caught in an unfortunate time, you know? That might be why it didn't, it wasn't successful, because it was, like, too optimistic or too bright, and when, when people were sort of feeling down after about that. Films that came out that year, like, Two Towers and Spider-Man sort of have, like, a d- downbeat moments in them that would have resonated with people more than uh, this. Two Towers, precious. Yeah. Yes, uh, I love Two Towers. Yeah. Oh, um, and it's Thanksgiving again when I watched Lord of the Rings, all 12 hours of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway. But, but throughout this whole action <laughs> scene, it's here that Mr. Scroop, Jim does tie everybody's line, but Mr. Scroop cuts Mr. Arrow, so Mr. Arrow falls into the black hole. Yep. And, you, and, and I, I hate Scroop. For, I so mean, sad. Yeah, so I, sad. I hate... I mean, and I hate Scroop so much for this, because he... He pims it on Jim because he says his lifeline is not secure later. But basically, the ship makes it out of the black hole at the nick of time, and Morph actually melts with relief, and everything looks very happy. Like the captain actually congratulates Doctor Doppler. He's actually proving his worth. He says that he has. Doppler says he's glad he can contribute anatomically or astronomically because they're like building up the attraction between the two, which you can actually see from the very first scene between them. Like the captain. Does is very firm with him, but also seems to fancy him a bit, and the feelings right. seem to um, be mutual. Yeah, I know. I like how it's it's. I see it. It's like there's no like, and I like that about this movie. There's no a million twists. You know, mm-hmm. like you. I never saw Inception, but what he was in that a few years after, and isn't yeah. that all about twists? <laughs> like I like that it's just a nice, happy, simple fucking movie. You know, yeah. and people gotta hate on it. I, I got annoyed reading about how it was just hated. Like I didn't, I didn't bother seeing it because you know, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I guess I was, you know, in a darker place, you know, mm-hmm. twenty two years ago. 
yeah, definitely in a darker place. So I, most people were, to be honest, but well, most yeah, Americans were. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, Scoop returns Mr. Arrow's hat and, like, basically he pins it on Jim. He even he also gives, like, this evil smile to Silver because Silver sort of, like, winces at him as if to say, you didn't have to do that or whatever. Um, so Jim goes from this dizzying high where he's yeah. finally proved his worth to this absolute great. low point. And other Millie doesn't, like, accuse him or anything. She, she's yeah. very silent. It's like, very, like, it's like having a bucket of cold water poured in your face. That scene was phenomenal. How about when Emma Thompson, you know, she she wavers for that second, but, you know, she knows as that character and as the captain. It's like Emma, They it's like they animated over Emma's voice. They really got her so spot on with the animation yeah. in the scene when, you know, we must go on, you know. Yeah, she gives like a eulogy for Mr. Arrow. I love Mr. Arrow. Then we get to... It's hard to say. It's hard to say a day or night because they probably were passing multiple stars. But basically, it's a starry night or whatever, and Jim is down the dumps, and John comes on deck. He's actually smoking a snarf blat. A snarf blat, he is. Yes, that's right. Yeah, the pipe <laughs> looks a lot like the one in Little Mermaid. Um, so I called that. Well and, remembered. Well remembered. So it says, "Why? What you did was amazing. It wasn't your fault." Like, and. And Jim, like, snaps this, don't you get it? I screwed up. And basically, going down the dumps, I said, and Silver gives, like, this amazing pep talk. Now, you listen to me. You've got the makings of greatness in you, but you just have to stick to it. Like, like chart your own course. and, and Chart your own course, matey. Yeah, and, like, what one day, like, you're going to be amazing, and you're going to shake the stars, and I just hope I'm there so the light will be shining off of me. Um, and there's this hug between them, but also, like, Oh, Silver is feeling like, very guilty because I think he says to more for getting in deep. Like I'm, they're going to start to say I'm going soft, and sure enough, Scroop is overhearing him, overhearing the scene. Yeah. Um, and then we go below deck, and like because Morph is like <laughs> is disguised as Jim's boot, and he plays whack a Jim with him. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, he turns into like a little Jim Hopkins, and they go down. He goes down the lower decks. Um, he finds like more of an, like this barrel. I think of like pomegranate or something like that. Sort of like purple fruit. He hops in there. Like he overhears the mutineers from the barrel, and it's here he learns that this is all from I think from the story that he learns that Silver is in charge of of these mutineers, and he berates Mister Scroop for killing Mister Arrow. He even like thro- throws him around. And says, "So help me, you'll be joining him." But Scroop actually calls him out on his soft hardness and says, "He like even like." Mimic's like, oh, you've had, you've been gone soft on the boy. You've had the makings of greatness, and then he like, sort of mock imitate, he imitates him. But Silver keeps playing tough guy, and well, Jim is listening to all this and is horrified. Um, yeah, it was a stunning revelation. Yeah, but Treasure Planet is on the horizon. I think the guy in the crow's nest, who is like this little alien with like six eyes and a Scottish accent, says "Planet Ho" instead of "Land Ho." <laughs> um, Silver. So he, he bumps into Jim. He says, Jim, what are you doing below back? And you see, like, they both know, each of them knows that the other knows at this point. Silver know, now knows that Jim knows that <laughs> that Silver is in charge of it, and Jim knows that Silver knows. Um, and Silver is actually preparing a pistol behind his back with a cybernetic arm, but Jim stabs him part of his mechanical leg, which has, like, sort of bellows, and 
the mutiny begins at this point. So I love that Silver Union says strike our colors, and then the pseudo Union Jack is replaced with the galactic Jolly Roger. <laughs> yeah. Which is this, this three eyed skull with like the fangs and the two like Saturn rings. <laughs> It yeah. was awesome. I love I love Jolly Rogers for sure. Yeah, it's a I great love skulls, skeletons. Yeah, there's a great I spin on it. Um, the Jolly Roger is probably one of the best flags ever. The only yeah. flag that matters, like the Clash. All right, go on. Sorry. Yeah. Um, then we like the biggest of the aliens. He like breaks into like the stores with the weapons and um, but um, uh, Jim and the heroes. That being um. The captain and uh, Doctor Doppler, they are they get toward the lifeboat, the long. I think they call them the longboats. Um, even though they're not very Vikingish, they go into the longboats, the lower decks. Um, whereas Morph steals the map from Jim. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a weird bit where we learn these electronic circuits below the wooden-looking decks, and I think that's the only part of the film where the aesthetic between, like the mix of the 18th century and sci-fi aesthetic, kind of jars with me. Yeah, that's a that's yeah. a little strange. Um, but um, the heroes get on the lifeboats, and Morris Morph steals the map the map orb from Jim, and um, Doppler actually causes a bunch of pirates to fall into space by shooting off like a heavy motor looking device. It creates a hole in the lower deck, and the captain says, "Did you actually mean to do that?" And he says, "You know, actually, I did." Because he totally is. <laughs> it was totally by accident, but. It's yeah. Morph's loyalties. Actually, Silver comes down. Morph's loyalties are actually divided between him and Silver. Um, right. But still, but um, eventually, Jim and the heroes they end up flying down to the planet, and Silver stops short of shooting Jim with the arm cannon that his arm forms, because his arm he, he has cut, his arm is kind of like a Transformers where it can like turn into or like the T one thousands where it can assume multiple shapes. <laughs> yeah. Um. But anyway, Jim, they basically crashed down on the treasure planet um, with the map, Doppler, and the captain. Um, there's a sort of forest, there's a mix between vines and mushrooms that they crash through. And Oh, it's, 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 no, it's actually shot down rather than crashing down. But um, And the captain cracks her ribs and Dr. Doppler has to attend to her. And um, it turns out the map that Jim Hawkins has is Morph in Disguise and... The real he reveals yeah. that more reveals the real map is somewhere in the lower decks near the ropes, and um, Jim like investigates the planet while the Doctor attends to the Captain. And unfortunately, it's here that we meet probably the the weakest part of the film, which is Ben. Oh wait, you did not just say that. I bro- I doth protest, sir. Okay, but, uh, Ben is the weakest. Are you kidding me? No. I was getting so excited for your 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 preface to the to Ben. I was like, I can't wait till we could talk about Martin. Okay, okay, okay. Then, tell me, tell me what you like about Ben. He's, he's not the worst Disney sidekick, but I'll get to I'll get to him in a bit. But t- but t- t- defend Ben for me, please. I will defend Ben. Thank you very much for letting me do so. Um, well, all right, maybe because of my love for Martin Short. Uh, mm-hmm. My first experience with Martin Short was having a crush on him in Three Amigos. Good night, <laughs> Ned. I just, I don't know why. I thought he was the cutest thing ever. And then Ed Grimley came out, and I thought Ben was Ed Grimley as a robot. And I loved him. It's fucking Ed Grimley. Like, but, but different. You know, uh, more articulate speech. 
He's very articulate, Ben, and I, I loved him. And I love his whole story and his journey and how he helps them and all his warmth. I am a, a you know, a cute little robot, too, you know? <laughs> like, I, I, this is what happens when you're, like, a sentimental person. I'm a cancer, so, you know, that it just comes with my energy. You know, I'm all about comfort and mother's love and all that shit. And Ben just, you know, like Disney pulls at my heartstrings all the damn time with their cute characters. I can't stand it, but I love it. You know what okay. I mean? Okay, so I will say, I love Martin Short also. He is a national treasure, and I think I can say that as a non-Canadian. Aha, yes. But okay, like the first thing I saw him from or recognized him from was um, the Merlin miniseries from the 90s, replaced Frick. Oh, I love that miniseries. Oh, my God. Yeah, I have a huge soft, soft spot for that. Um, yeah, well, you know, I named my, one of my kids after Arthurian legend. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> safe to assume. Yeah, um, but I think he personally he doesn't work for me because he's written. I mean, he is a marooned robot. He's a version of Ben Gunn, the old man marooned from Flint's crew um, on right. Treasure Island. But I know he's like like ecstatic to see somebody after a hundred years, and but he is. I find him a lot really annoying in places and sort of like a lot to take and I wish they had written like funnier dialogue for him than what especially considering how great the actor was and so he's really, I like dialogue not at first he was cheeky, but he got into the role everybody evolves in this film like you could clearly see every character evolving and, he gets, and that's he, another thing he gets better when his memory is restored and there's a few lines here and there but overall he's and he's not the worst Disney sidekick. We'll get. Well, we've had worse. And right, right. We'll, but like, they're using what they got. But... You know, beggars can't be choosers, Christian. Fair <laughs> enough. I, th- I think because we were spoiled by everything else, he, he's. <laughs> I, th- I think because we were spoiled by everything else, especially like John Silver and the Captain, and I think he pales in comparison to them. Right, but also I, I will say because I saw this movie uh, like three days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had seen this in 2002, mm-hmm. I would not like him at all. I'd be like, fuck okay. this fucking piece of shit robot. Let yeah. him rot. You yeah, know? I think. But again, I'm 45 now. I'm, uh, you know, I've gone through life. I think. I love I think, the fucking robot. I think, in, I think to be fair, and I've not, again, I've not seen any Treasure Planet adaptation for a while. I'm due for a revisit of the Muppet one, but my understanding is Ben Gunn is kind of always one of the weak links of the Treasure Island story. He's necessary for the plot, but he's introduced so late that it's kind of hard to give a shit about him or, like, for him to, like, really make a big impact. Like, the best Ben Gunn version might well be Miss Piggy because she's Miss fucking Piggy. Yeah, I mean... Because she's larger than life, has her own personality, whereas... It's going to be Miss Piggy. If anyone can carry Ben Gunn, it's Miss Piggy. Yeah. If anyone can carry anyone, it's Miss Piggy. She could do yeah. anything as far as I'm concerned. Whereas A Ben Gunn, he's... treasure. Yeah, whereas oh, ben... you know what? Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, wait. I was going to give a little trivia about the movie National Treasure because we keep saying it, but I wonder if that, <laughs> you know... <laughs> That's a bit of a tangent, I think. Yeah, yeah, I was like, maybe that's going too far, but National Treasure seems to be our secret word of the episode. Okay, what's your National Treasure trivia? 
Oh, well, me and my co-parent were horse and carriage drivers in Philly when the, um, his company got hired to do movies a lot. Ooh. And I hung out with uh, Nick, Nick Cage's stunt double for a bit at the stands once, just talking to him about filming National Treasure. Oh, <sighs> some of my friends were in the movie. You know, it was fun, mm-hmm. you know, being around there at that time. I didn't meet Nicolas Cage, but a stunt double, I was like, I saw the guy coming up to me. I'm like, oh, wow, you look like Nicolas Cage. He's like, <laughs> I'm a stunt double. I'm like, oh, my God. And uh, nice. yeah, anyway, it okay. was my trip. Anyway, um, Jim goes back to uh, there is. I think in a sort of fortress. I think in the original story, it's like the remains of a battle. But there's a sort of fortress on the planet, and Ben. This is was a, a, something I have against Ben. He immediately gives away the position to the pirates because we say he he has several screws and circuits loose. So at times he like breaks out into madness and noise because we look, his memory banks have been taken, but um. Silver actually comes with the white flag to parlay about the map, to use a phrase from Pirates of the Caribbean. He goes to the gym. He actually apologizes and offers to share the treasure. And here's a question. Do you think he was being genuine? When you saw us for the first time, do you think he was being genuine or do you think he was bluffing? I don't know. What do you think? I think he... I think he won... He, all things equal, he would have preferred to get rid of the crew and, like take it with Jim. So I think he was bluffing to an extent, but I think he kind of meant it. But Jim obviously has all, ample reasons not to trust Mr. Silver at this time. So eventually, so he right. basically, he even like throws in the, the by thunder thing in his face. By um, thunder. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so Silver issues an ultimatum. He said he uses his cyber arm like a crutch as John, as the literary John Silver at this point, And he says, um, you have till, I guess, the next day to surrender the map to us, or we'll blast you to kingdom come, basically. Right. Um, and we actually get a Star Trek reference here, which I was trying to allude to. So um, the doctor is tending to the captain, and she says, Doctor, you have wonderful eyes. And she says, she's lost her mind. And did you pick up the do- <laughs> the reference, that the Star Trek reference afterwards, though? Don't okay. tell me what it is. Let me guess. Okay, Jim asks the doctor for help of some kind, and um, oh, the Star Trek. It says, "Dang it, yes, Jim, I'm not a doctor." Damn it, Jim, I'm a doctor, not a yeah, 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 yeah. I'll always get a Star Trek reference. Like that, that. That, I hadn't picked up on that. I saw this like the first time I saw this was like several years ago. I wasn't into Star Trek then, but now I totally get it. It's a great homage to Bones. Right. I um, love I, one of my best friends. Loves DeForest Kelly like she has the hots for him. <laughs> <laughs> funny so yeah i love any bones right i love bones oh my god all right go on yeah and um to make another sort of reference as the as jim sees there's a it's a no-win situation but i think ben reveals something about a ventilation shaft or whatever um basically he goes down he goes the planet is artificial to some extent it's very old but it's like metallic or whatever it's covered in moss and he Jim goes down this ventilation shaft where like the to the which leads to the pirate encampment and he is able to sneak back onto the ship with Ben without waking anybody up. Um and he go I do like Ben like when he goes into like the circuit room, he like opens up the closet with all of them and just says, Oh mama <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Martin Short, um I love his spring coil reactions. 
he, he's very vibrant and bouncy, mm-hmm. but it's not harsh, you know? He has a, a he's like a burst of sunshine. You can hear it in his voice. Yeah. He's not an emotional zero, but he has a lot of warmth. So, right, um, right. But he, he tries like various systems because all the wires are identical. And like one of them sets off the klaxons and that actually alerts Scroop, who turns out to be on the deck all this time. And he has like, this confrontation with Hopkins. He like, chases him through the lower decks. Like Morph turns into a pie at one point and slaps him in the face. Um, yeah. But um, it was really cute the, how they animated that pie too, the Morph pie. Yeah, because... Yeah, because Morph revealed the... Because Jim, I think, at this point, has snatched the real map. Um, it was, like, near a rope somewhere. But um, he chases him throughout the ship, and at one point, like, the lights go out, and then the gravity is, is like, lost, and they go up to the mast. Like, basically, Scroop starts cutting the rope that's tied to the Jolly Roger, which is where Jim is and essentially is his lifeline. But... Jim grabs the mast and dodges Scroop as he's about to leap up and kill him. And this causes the rope to snap and for Scroop to rip through the flag and to float into oblivion. So he has a, it's a nice yeah. parallel to Mr. Arrow's death because he just. It is. You've noticed what about the story. Um, it's one of those parallel stories where nothing goes to waste. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Scroop kills Arrow and then Scroop gets the same fate. And then. Yeah. Uh, the montage for Jim comes in handy later with the rope that he yeah. met and you know yeah I love uh, stories like that that are you know mirror images yeah it's a, it's a, it's a great uh, karmic death you kill, if you kill somebody dropping into a black hole you die by fall uh, by falling up right falling up like Shel Silverstein no but um <laughs> yeah. falling uh, uh, yeah it just de- space death always frightens me like you know when you saw alien for the first time mm-hmm. you know where something was released from a hatch lock in a movie and you're like holy shit you know or a total recall when their faces explode in the planet i you still need to see that film scary. you haven't seen total recall no i've heard good things oh, i know it's paul did. verhoeven so i'm sure it's pretty good i saw it in the theater i was 10 it was wonderful <laughs> i love that movie Cool. And the, uh, oh, it's so fun! You got to see it. Oh, it's so fun. Sharon Stone and uh, oh God, I can't say anything. I can just talk about. I that know movie Michael Ironside's anyway. in it. Michael Ironside! God, I love that man. Holy shit! Have you yeah. seen the '80s throwback movie he did, Turbo Kid? The thing I know mostly from is the DC anime cartoons where he voices Dark Side. Oh. oh yeah, he. Yeah, well, he's amazing, and he also voices him in Carly Quinn. No, Tom Perlman is late. Wait, Michael Ironside. Also, he's in um, oh my God, he's the the awesome guy in Starship Troopers. He's, <laughs> oh, that's the, right. the, he's a cyborg. He has a cyborg <laughs> arm. <laughs> cyborg. Ah! I need to see that one also. I've seen. Oh I saw Robocop God. for the first time fairly <laughs> recently, so I need to see those as well. Starship Troopers. I saw that in the theater too. 1997, Brooklyn. Cool. Sorry. All right, so anyway. Jim returns to the to the lair that uh, the Doctor and the Captain are, only for Silver to appear from the shadows and snatch the map from him. However, Silver can't open it, even with his like mechanical hand, and even like when he turns into a clamp and all that. So no matter what form he takes, he can't open it. So Jim is forced to open the map at him because Silver threatens to kill Doppler and Amelia at gunpoint. Right. Um, 
Right. That and the was, map. That was foul on Silver's part. What's that? That was foul on Silver's part. Yeah, it's um, so the, he's forced to reveal like the map, like you know, leading the trail to the treasure. But Jim closes immediately and says, "If you want the map, you're taking me too." So mm-hmm. Silver and the pirates take the prisoners where the map leads. So, and um, Doppler and Amelia are tied up on the little longboat they have. Um, I don't. This doesn't bother me as much in Disney movies because they'll never do this anyway. But I think it is. You know, if there was other adaptations, you do wonder why Silver or like the main pirates or whatever wouldn't have killed them by now. Why do they still need them? Right. Um, but I know it, it, I know it's a Disney film, so they would never they would never do that um, unless the villain was like yeah. particularly ruthless, right? Whereas like Silver is an anti-hero in this one, so he wouldn't. Um, but anyway, Jim and Ben are like dragged like to the end, like the end of this light where the map leads. It basically leads to the edge of a, this dead end over a cliff, and like. Jim's life is in danger. It's like we went all this way to find like nothing. So Jim, he finds like a groove in the ground he, to insert the map into, sort of like round socket. Yeah, and that was cool. Jim inserts the map orb into like the matching socket, and that opens a triangular portal, which leads to the locations. And it turns out this like the going back to like the opening narration, they say like how like Flint was able to appear out of nowhere and vanish without a trace, like his him and his shipmates were. And this is how it was because. They had this portal that allowed them to open the locations, which is there now. And um, Silver basically like flicks through the channels. They go like from planet to planet. They see like Montressor. They see like this aggressive like predatory alien about to kill him. They see like all the stuff. But Jim presses the point on the map representing Treasure Planet, and this opens onto the Treasure Chamber. We learn that Flint's treasure is a literal heart of gold at the center of the planet. Right. Um, it's very pretty. Yeah, although they, they do the classic thing, there's this red light or laser that they cross, so immediately, the, so you know immediately a booby trap is going to be set, but um, we see the loot of a thousand worlds, and um, Flint's ship and the skeleton is on this pile of gold, and in the skele- the hand of the skeleton is Ben's memory bank, which is at the back of his head. Yeah, um, that was really cute. Yeah, so the pirate's like, Including silver, like sort of dig into the gold, um, and um, but the the booby trap is activated. It's actually here in CGI gets a little wonky for here because of these explosions that don't look as good compared to the other stuff, and these lasers that end up melting through this pile of gold. And most of the pirates are sucked into the crevices created by the lasers. Um, really creepy, by the way. What, what what's creepy? It was creepy, the death scenes of the pirates. It was cool. You know, Disney doesn't always have a high death count. Like, Atlantis had a great death count, you know? Yeah. Atlantis might have the biggest death count. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Like, 64 or something like that. But, like, I love when Disney does a movie that has no singing, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, apart from, like, pirate singing. Uh, You know, no singing, high death count, you know? It's fun when Disney gets dark. Yeah, is it, like... The past few Disney films have been PG, and it, it shows here, definitely. Do you remember the end of Toy Story 3? I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, it, it is kind of like that. Like, everybody... everybody yeah, isn't that being creepy melted. as fuck? Right, right. That, that shit was scary in the theater. Like, I was mm-hmm. scared. I was in my 30s. Yeah. 
Um, me- meanwhile, Dr. Doppler, he again proves his, u- his usefulness because he calls himself the useless weakling, yeah. but he has abnormally thin wrists, so he's able to escape. So, so he and Captain <laughs> Millie are able to overpower this fat pirate that has them I like cornered. how they're, right. I like that how there are little nods to, like, Niles Crane, you know, in, in Dr. Doppler. So that everything's going to shit at the treasure, in the, in the treasure chamber. Like, um, Jim, like, grab, he gets control of, like, Flint's ship and has been, and, and Silver is, like, about to join him. Is like, very friendly, and he says, get back. Like, I think he has, like, a sword at him, and, like... Silver is like, you're, you never did learn to pick your fights, but before they can like, come to blows, this laser ends up so, like sawing through Flint's ship, and Silver is forced like between what's left of the ship and the treasure and Jim, who's like on the end of this wall, but they're like these... I don't know what to compare this to, but they're these sort of sockets or like stuff that are like sort of retracting. Uh-huh. Um, I know I've seen... like. I'm sure I've seen that like in other movies, like some other mechanical device, but um, you'd have to see it. To, but basically, Jim is like running out of like things to hold on to, whereas Silver is like extending his arm as far as possible to get on the treasure. So he has to choose between Jim and the treasure, and they 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 hold the moment long enough that you like think he might actually die with the treasure. But he eventually chooses Jim, and the planet's explosion is imminent. So. Basically, the heroes regain control of the legacy. There's a large piece of debris that breaks one of the masts. Um, Jim and Silver and Morph and Ben get, are back up there. And there, the, there are some pirates below deck now that are tied up. Um, but Jim creates a, a Erzsatz surfboard. And so like, t- going back to like the, his first surfing sequence, this comes back. And Silver actually assists with like welding it together. Because his... Because he also, when he used cooking earlier before, he used it to heat up the food as well. He has a torch. Um, But basically, he has to, Jim has to reopen the portal to get him back out of there before the planet explodes. Um, And Jim, he changes the location on the orb to the space, to the spaceport. And just the nick of time, he gets the legacy to fly through it safely. So it's very... There's like a countdown to it for it, so I don't I didn't like follow up closely, but it is they do escape in the nick of time and it's a pr- pretty cool climax. Yeah, it is. It's um, very awesome. The visuals are great in the film. And Silver is like very proud obviously proud that his Airsat's son is able to do this and there's a hug but and a near kiss between Amelia and Doppler, but it doesn't happen and even the remaining pirates blow are cheering because Jim has saved them. Apparently, yes. pr- prison is worse than imminent death, or, or isn't as bad as imminent destruction. Right, right. And Amelia recommends. <laughs> oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just laughing at your quip. Go on. I've been talking a lot. Is there anything I missed, or like in the climax, or anything about the treasure? No, room? no. I I just wanted you to get through the film, and then because you wanted to speed up a bit for time, so I wasn't saying much. I figured I'd wait till the end. Because yeah, I, like I, I figured you'd have more to say about like the very end and silver in general. Um, right. Anyway, uh, Amelia recommends Jim to the film's equivalent of Starfleet Academy. I don't know if they, what they call it, but that's what I put down my notes. Inter, um, yeah, it was something inter international fleet, the international fleet, or intergalactic. Intergalactic fleet. That was it. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, he gets to go to Starfleet. 
<laughs> so, okay, so here, this is the real climax of the film, like the culmination of the Jim and Silver relationship, which has been very warm, but like challenged like, when like Silver does his heel turn, but Jim finds Silver at the bottom of the decks, and all, like Silver says, basically, join me, and we can cruise the galaxy as father and son. Um, but Silver... <laughs> But, but um, he Jim says, you know what? I would have taken you up on that offer before, but I think I've the cyb- I talked. To the, I met the cyborg, and he like helped ch- ch- me chart my own course. And Silver like asks him to take care of more. He I like the way that he holds him. He says his fingers are like a cage, and he says it would be a shame for like Morph to be caged with me. And he gives Jim a few coins and gems so he can he salvage so that he can rebuild his mom's inn. Um, and Jim actually lets Silver go. He doesn't feed like Amelia any cockamamie story about Silver escaping. Um, what do you think of this particular ending? Because I'm not sure cause this is part of the story like like John Silver does get away this, in every version. He, he doesn't die. But what do you think of this ending? Because I'm not entirely sold on this aspect of it. Because wouldn't like Amelia like like rip him a new one for letting him go. I think Amelia would kill him, yes. point, hang him or some shit in real life. But you know, Disney PG. You so, know. You, so you were able to go along with it. Yeah, I could go along with it because I I like you know just fantasizing when I watch a movie. I'm 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 happy to let my mind play. You know. I'm okay, a- I'm. Not super crazy about it. I think I wish. I think actually going all the way back to Pirates of the Caribbean, I like the very ending of that one, like where like J- where Jack Sparrow is nearly hanged, but it like, right. a- a- escapes with escapes and it's sort of everybody is sort of like let go. He's he's even I think like, basically Jack well, is his, his heroism is acknowledged. He's given a head start. I wish like there had been something like that, like right, um, right. But- Think of the, you know, this is the changeover from the new millennium from happy to dark. So Curse of the Black Pearl, right place, right time, right material. Johnny Depp even got nominated for an Oscar, and I'm still mad he didn't win it, to be honest, even though I don't do celebrity stuff anymore, worship anymore. But But you're not Johnny Depp anymore, I hope. No, 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 I don't don't celebrity worship anymore. I just take all my things that I'm inspired by and do art now and try to become it. <laughs> hang on, yeah. hang on, wait a minute, wait a minute. You say you don't celebrity worship, but you were gushing about Emma Thompson earlier? Oh, well, that's different. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm joking. I'm, I'm joking. It's, it's a little different, I but I, I thought I, I would point that out. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I, I worship the right people, <laughs> I swear. Uh, Emma Thompson, sir, I mean, Dame Maggie... Dench, no, Dame Judy Smith, you know what I mean. <laughs> Judy Dench and Maggie <laughs> I Smith. I worship them. I know, I did it on purpose, sort of. <laughs> I fucked up, and I'm like, I'm just going to go with it. Anyway, yes, all right, yeah, I do I do worship people, Tori Amos. <laughs> okay, but yeah, anyway, all right, so what was I getting at, though? So you're higher on the ending than I am. Right, right. Okay. I was fine with it. I like the ending. I like what happens with Morph. I like their father-son relationship. I love the little babies. 
the little boy when Morph rattles into him, and then Morph is like, yeah. you know, so, they're just so we should say we we cut ahead after this. They they arrive back home in the spaceport. Like Jim reunites with his mom, help like the and has rebuilt with the jewel with like the presumably from the jewels and coins the that he's getting, able to get. And Amelia so and Doppler have had a litter of four, three girls that look like her and one son that looks like him, all a Lady and the Tramp. Yeah, oh my God, I love Lady and the Tramp too. See, it was just lovely, and I really like in this time now. He was twenty, almost twenty. Or I really like just watching a lovely little film, you know? Mm-hmm. I just um, kind of felt at peace with it. I'm like, I'm just going to enjoy this, yeah. you know? Um, and Jim returns to the tavern. What we say Ben is there, like, serving stuff. And he, I will say Ben is better. I, I, I find him more tolerable when ben his memory banks are restored. Yeah, because he has such good coordination. He, he doesn't drop anything. So now that he's, yeah. you know, he's coordinated, but he looks shaky, we know he's cool. And we can yeah. like Ben again. And if I remember correctly, I think he helped like steer the ship out of like the destruction. I think he, so. I think he redeemed himself there. Um, and but anyway, like Jim Jim is there in a white captain or space cadet uniform, and he has no lines under his eyes because he's literally a new man now. Um, right. He looks. He he. There's a big celebration with like I love they have like a Jane Austen like style dance and like a jig and. Um, we see right. like, Jim look up at the clouds, and there are these clouds that resemble silver looking down upon him, completely with like a sort of golden like star, or whatever twinkling where his eye would be. Um, and right. then the music transitions to another forgettable John Resnick song over the credits. Uh, that was the worst scene of the film. That that <laughs> up at the sky, and the 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 yeah, the 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 iris guy is playing again. I'm like, oh no, I got to shut off this now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, I shut so, it off immediately as soon as the the pan was coming in on the on the uh, screen. Oh well, um, so I've been talking a lot. I'm I'm, I'm sorry if I hope I've not been hogging the coverage. I just wanted to get through like the second act quicker and the second half quicker in particular because it's mostly action. But Mixie, what do you think of this film, having seen it for the first time? Having seen it for the first time, I enjoyed it. I mean, I'm not. It's not going to be something I'm really going to go to too much again. You know, mm-hmm. I'll quote it. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, yeah, like it's not my like first choice. It was fun. I'm glad I went out of my. Uh, I, I, I'm glad I rediscovered this because I remember when it came out and saw like the trailers and just not being interested. So I'm glad I saw. You know, and it was fun. But I don't think it was, I think, you know, I could see why it wasn't too popular. It wasn't a star, you know. Mm-hmm. It was like, it was like a supporting role movie, mm-hmm. you know. It was like the precursor and postcursor to so many <laughs> things, you know. And they, you know, they, when Black Pearl came out, when other stuff came out that, you mm-hmm. know, did those devices a lot, you know, mm-hmm. better, I guess, more, more. It struck a chord with people more than this one did. Right, right. But this was fun, and I liked it. It was fun. That is my opinion. Sorry. Cool. No, 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 no it's okay. I, I hope I wasn't hogging too much of the coverage. No, um, I know you wanted to get through it, and, you know, I, I'm ready to start quoting Black Pearl quotes now. You want to hear my favorite quote from Black Pearl? What's your favorite quote from Black Pearl? You like pain? Try wearing a corset. 
Uh, a little Irish there at the end. It's hard to say that, like Karen Knightley. She has yeah. that beautiful, delicate Rishi's pronunciation, and I am like, you know, a New York City punk, so I'm going to go Irish or Scottish every time. <laughs> anyway. So I mostly like it. I don't think it's quite, a, maybe quite a classic, but I think it looks gorgeous and is very creative and a very creative retelling right. of Treasure Island. Um, and the voice cast is stellar, right. like especially the supporting yeah. roles, like Emma Thompson. Yeah. David Hyde Pierce yeah. and B- Brian Murray, who I wish I wish I'd seen more in, and um, Martin Short. He, he does the best way he does for the role, but I think the role let fit lets him down rather than vice versa. Um, but he does get better once his memory banks are restored. Um, yeah. I, I am sad that this is one of the last traditionally animated Disney films. In fact, I only have four more of them to cover before doing just three oh, D okay. ones. I what those four are. So their brother Bear, which will be next episode. Okay. Then I'm on the range. Then there's three digitally animated ones between then, then Princess and the Frog, the second to last one, and then Winnie the Pooh, which is the last traditionally animated Disney film to date. Oh, that's... And I think it's fair to say that the financial success of this one did hasten the death of traditionally animated films at Disney. Um, and it certainly led to the death of deep canvas being used much, and and there's a theory that Disney deliberately marketed the film poorly and wanted it to fail as an excuse to get from 2D to 3D, and the, some of the trailers bore, bear that out, like the way that they're framed. I mean, they obviously spoil that. I mean, you, if you know Treasure Island, you know that Silver is uh, the bad end, but they spoiled that the cyborg was bad. They didn't, like, show... From my memory, they don't show like the father relationship between the two, and it's a shame that they threw. If, if that's true, it's a shame they threw this film under the bus because a lot of people, if they w- worked on it, were some obviously very talented. You mentioned the cast, you mentioned Musker and Clements, and they they I mean they, they kept working at Disney. They did Princess and the Frog and Moana and Glenn Keane, I think, who directed Tangled. So it's a shame they had the best like some of the best people who worked at Disney, and they took right, this project right. they had worked on and threw it under the bus. Yeah, it, it's just, you know, unfortunate timing for this gem. You know, mm-hmm. it is a treasure. It really is a treasure. Yeah. it's not. It might not be a classic, but I think it is a, a rare gem. Um, right, absolutely. And de- de- definitely worth taking out. I, I think it does slow down a little bit in the second half, like once I get to the treasure planet, but, uh, uh, but the characters kept me going, so... Um, like Lilo and Stitch, it actually was nominated for the Best MA Picture Oscar, but both it and Lilo and Stitch lost to Spirited Away. Um, uh, I read that, and um, Spirited Away is one of my favorite, like, top ten movies ever. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I'm sad it didn't win the Oscar, but, like, I'm like, well, you can't beat Spirited Away. Sorry, that's mm-hmm. one of the most brilliant films ever made. Yeah, it's hard, it's hard, to, to, it's hard to top Adam Hayao Miyazaki in general. Um, hard, hard, hard. And, yes. and actually, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, he went on to voice the protagonist in the dub of The Wind Rises, which is Miyazaki's most recent film up until the, the one that's out now, The Boy and the Heron. Oh, okay. I, yeah, and that, that, that's a good film also. Oh, cool. Um, but, you know, Spirited Away has a special place in my heart because it's about 
spirit healing and I am a healer, you know, and I'm a hip, you know, I'm like, it's so up my alley. Like I've worked in spa. Well, yeah, I still work in a spa. So like I would totally work in a spa just for spirits. How cool would that be? Like, let me get your bath going for you. Let's put the herbal soak in it. Oh, yeah. That would should be, if I ever have my own business, I'll just call it spirited away. <laughs> you, well, you might, have to get, you might get in trouble with Toho for that. No, you won't. No, it's a it, spirited away is a, a phrase, a common phrase. Well, you but know, you might still get suey. Is there anything like the Pokemon company? <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, yeah, um, that's true. That's true. Or, 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 if indeed, or if indeed they're like Disney, which is apparently very suey. Well, I would never have my own massage business anyway, so this is all moot. There was a sequel plan for this, but it was thrown out. I don't know if it would have been directed video or not, but there are no plans for a remake. Um, but like Atlantis notes, it's now a lot more highly regarded than it was when it came out, which is not something you can say about the next few films, All I will say. I did not see the Brother Bear or Home on the Range. I'm like, nope, nope, nope. No, nope. I, I, I saw Brother Bear last <laughs> night, but I'm, I'm I won't say anything about it till the next episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I'll probably have to rewatch it again. The Princess and the Toad are fabulous. Oh, Princess and the Frog. Princess and the Frog. Sorry, I kept saying Toad, didn't I? Sorry. Getting to Treasure Planet. Is there anything else to say before we score it? Uh, no. I think we said a lot about it. And um, I think we did it it, it good. I will say I did since I haven't mentioned before. I really like the music in it. It is mostly like a swashbuckling pirate score, but there's a few like modern touches. Like during like, the Solar Suffering scene, there's like a, an electric guitar that kind of makes it a little more futuristic, but it isn't too jarring. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, was the composer James Horner? Or? James Newton Howard. James Newton Howard. Sorry, you could see how I can get that confused. Yeah, yeah. Um, aren't they both dead now, though? No, um, Newton Howard's still alive. Horner died in 2015, same year as oh. Larry Nimoy. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. God, I love Atlantis. <laughs> you got me thinking of Atlantis. I'm like, oh. Um, uh, the music was great. I like mm-hmm. James Newton Howard a lot, and I, yeah. uh, I thought the score was fantastic. I always love a Disney score, though. Yeah. You know, they never do you wrong with the scores. Pretty much, yeah. Um, so, out of five, Mixie, what do you give Treasure Planet? I'm going to give it a three and a half, question. Okay. Um, I'm going to give it a high three. I don't do halvesies, but I, I think it is... It's just oh. short of be, becoming like a really, it's a very solid one, but I think it's falls just short of greatness and short of, I mean, among Disney films, it falls a little short, but it's still worth seeing. And, um, it, hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, hmm, th- three or four, three or four. What should I give it? You could do three and a half. I don't. I don't particularly like Habsies. Um, I so, don't. You have woman. How dare uh, you? Okay, I, I'm going to give it a high three. I give, give it a high three. Um, it's not. It's not a classic, but it's very good and definitely worth seeing for for John Silver and and Emma Thompson and David Hyde Pierce. So yeah.
wasn't your fault, you know. Why, half the crew would be spinning in that black abyss of not Look, don't you get it? I screwed up. I mean, for two seconds, I thought that maybe I could do something right, but... Ah, I just... Just forget it. Forget it. No, you listen to me, James Hawkins. You got the makings of greatness in you. But you gotta take the helm and charge your own course. Stick to it, no matter the squalls. And when the time comes, you get the chance to really test the cut of your sails and show what you're made of. Well, I hope I'm there, catching some of the light coming off you that day. Anything to promote, Mixie, before we go? Yes. Um, my Instagram, uh, World of Mixie, or my website, worldofmixie.com. Um, mm-hmm. My art is getting better now. And yep. I'm going to actively try to get a voice performing career or something. I don't know. But, yeah. So I have art projects coming up. So, you know, if you're interested, you know, hit the little... Like, like, oh, I, I like that, you know, once in a and while. Do you, do you want to spell World of Mixie just so people can find it? Uh, yes, indeed. Thank you. W-O-R-L-D-O-S-M as in Mary, I-X-I-E. Cool. So next up on the podcast, I'm going to be doing Brother Bear, this time with Pandy and Kelly Wilson again. I've only seen it twice, once a long time ago, like the, the like with Treasure Island and then Again, last night. I won't say anything until we get to it. But um, And then, as I said, there's a bit of a slack till we get to... A bit of a... To quote nobody's favorite Star Trek theme, it'll be a long road getting from here to there when it comes to Princess and the Frog. Huh. The, yeah, right. the, you're, gonna, you're not going to have fun with that. <laughs> no, this, is, this era is called the second Dark Age of Disney for... A reason, whereas it feels like the first half of it seemed they had some successes, but now is where is arguably where the wheels start to come off. Oh, anyway, wow. we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll, 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 well, that remains to be seen. We'll get we'll get to it when we do. But um, how should we sign off, Mitzi? Um, how some Sir Jeffrey Rush in 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 Shakespearean Love? I don't know. It's a mystery. <laughs> Because <laughs> that I have no idea what to do. There you go. There. Shall I compare thee to a to a tall sail ship oh. that that are by far more temperate? Oh, why don't we do some Moby Dick? Oh, our matey, a hump on a snow hill. It is Moby Dick. Um, <laughs> we didn't mention Moby Dick once. No, that's not really a pirate story, but that is a nautical story. Um, and I know that Wrath of Khan draws a lot of influence from it. Um, ah, ooh, Star Trek. Ah, 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 ah.
Sorry, we talked about Star Trek too. Um, oh, oh! By the way, have you seen either Stranger Worlds or Lower Decks? Oh, you know, when you were saying Lower Decks before, I was thinking, oh, Lower Decks. No, I haven't seen it yet, though. It's amazing. It the, the the first season that takes a while to get its footing. It's like very fast, kind of Rick and Morty ish. But the you, you would have loved the finale of the of the most recent one. I saw it the other day. It's it's really good, and awesome. I li- I like Stranger Worlds also. I really want to finish Disco and Picard before I get into Lower Decks. I I, I haven't been able to get back into them. I'm too busy to watch Fair stuff. Enough. You know. Um. Uh, let's see. Um. All right, people keep boldly going where no one has gone before. Stay. Ch- um. Chart your keep charting your course. Um. Oh, uh, and I uh, see. Keep seeking out new life and and. Yeah, okay, live long and prosper. Whatever, whatever you want to say. I-D-I-C. Insert your favorite Star Trek. Diversity, infinite combination. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, bye, right, bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Thank you.